Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli, and if I was a crazy creature type, I would be a demon monkey. Wow. Bundarakshas. I'm Lorelai Weissel, and if I had a wild and crazy creature type from Akoria as some kind of freaky monster, it would be Ferret Sable Otter. <laughs> okay. Just just think of a mustelid that's like really, really, really long. Mine oh. seems really tame now because I just thought about cat dog, but... <laughs> Alone in the world, it's a little cat dog. My backup was Mongoose Snake. Oh, but then you would just be constantly at war with yourself. Exactly. Brian, honestly, that is one of the ones I was thinking of before I landed on Demon Monkey, which is actually our nickname for Arjun. He's a Bandarakshas. Yep, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I'm Chris Delano, and if I had a wild creature type, uh, I would definitely be a Hound Leviathan. Just Just a big old underwater dog. Would you be a, a good boy? Oh, the best. All dogs are, are good boys. Well, all dogs are good dogs. Let's not be gendered about it. Um, so we have a little bit of news this week before a little uh, bit. we really get into Ikoria starting April 2nd. And uh, the first is that the ebook for Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths, was announced. Titled The Sundered Bond by Django Wexler, who wrote The Gathering Storm last year. It's uh, fantastic stories if you have not read them. Uh, You can find links to each one on the wiki. That's right, the Magic Gathering wiki has finally become a valuable resource or something. Um, Like, literally indispensable for reading these stories because the distribution was really wonky. Uh, They're very good. Uh, Very happy to see Django back. So Sundered Bond will be released on April 7th on uh, as an ebook for $4. And uh, we got the cover, which has Vivian in the background behind a mysterious new character who is looking through a crystal with some kind of cat-like face inside the crystal. It's all very mysterious. Who could this redacted fellow be? It's a really big crystal, and it's going to be really hard for him to eat that. Yeah, like, I mean, crystal munching is just what magic is all about. That's a core tenant of the game. It really is. That's how you become a planeswalker. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I'm I'm very excited for this. Uh, Obviously, the Return of Magic story is very, very good after not getting one for Theros. Um, I know a little bit about this one, and I'm very much looking forward to reading it. And we'll have our summary episode at some point after that release. Uh, And then our second piece of news is another Vorthosi book. There's a new art book coming out in July called Legends, A Visual History. And uh, we've we've got an author for this. uh, Some some huge nerd named Jay Annalid? (laughs) Annalid, yes, Annalid. That is that is one hundred percent. Oh, Jay Anelli. Hey, there's a Jay Anelli on our show. So I was contracted to write this almost a year ago now. I uh, it is a book. If you have read any of my like legends articles where I talk about the legends of a plane and who might be returning, that's kind of what this book is going to be. Just much much bigger. 
It's around uh, 20,000 words. It is the same format as Rise of the Gatewatch, but like the graphic design work inside is completely different. So we revamped how the layout of the book looked, and uh, I'm really proud with how it ended up. So it's really for people, if you're a commander player who wants to know a little bit of background about your favorite character, there's a pretty good chance your character is going to be in there because there's about 100 to 120 legends uh, in there. I don't remember what the final number was. We did some cuts and added some at the last minute, so I don't remember uh, where exactly it ended up. But yeah, it'll be available for $20 on June 7th, uh, July 7th, I mean, if you want the hardcover or if you want the digital version, I think it's $10 right now through Amazon. Very excited for you, buddy. That's like an awesome project. Super proud of you. That's, that's dope. So everyone look forward to that later this year. I'm just really excited to learn more about Joven. Oh, I have. And Joven's Ferris. I have news. So one thing I will say, honestly, like I had really wanted to get some of like the original Legends art in there. But for those of you who followed this podcast, we've talked about it a little bit before. The contracts with artists earlier in Magic, like I think before, um, before Mirage, basically the artist retained the rights to the work except as printed on a card. So, like, they could reprint those cards in some cases, but they don't actually, like, we couldn't print the art in the art book um, because Wizards didn't actually own it. So, no no original Legends legends art in there, although some of the original Legends who'd been gotten new cards or new art will be in there. So we're confirming that Joven will have new art in the art book. Thank you. So, moving on to our feature of the week... (laughs) Flavor Gems of Born of the Gods. So we're continuing our trend from last week where we're looking back at a set that is relevant to us today. And we are going to follow up with uh, both Born of the Gods today and then move into Journey into Nyx, the two small sets uh, associated with the original Theros. Widdle baby sets. It's been so long since we had small sets. It's also been so long since we've had all four of us on the show. This is exciting. (laughs) Um, so we're kicking off Born of the Gods. We're going to do uh, kind of the same order we did last week, starting with Planeswalkers and then Gods and the other legends and then things that are top-down myths and world building and such, and then some of those story-related things. So uh, we're going to do that for both sets. And starting with Born of the Gods, we have a new Planeswalker who at the time was getting her first Planeswalker card and her first official appearance in the card game, and that is Cura, the Crashing Wave. Uh, she was a character created for Duels of the Planeswalkers because they needed a Planeswalker to represent a blue-green ramp deck in the game. This is uh, also when Ralsaric was created. So it took a couple years, but uh, she eventually did make it into magic. And she shows up on Theros uh, looking for Eryxmethes and any other sea monsters to bring back to Zendikar to help fight the Eldrazi threat. Uh, this card was printed with the same art that was created for Duels of the Planeswalkers, and that is a piece by Scott M. Fisher, who has been doing magic art for a very long time. And this is a really fun piece because it's a reference to a very famous piece of Japanese art, the Great Wave of Kanagawa, uh, except the wave in this art kind of has an octopus tentacle coming out of it with Kiora pondering a nautilus shell. Um, I love this piece. I loved this card. Um... Kira does do a whole lot in the story. She mostly gets mistaken for a 
avatar of Thassa and lets the merfolk believe that in order to leverage their assistance. And then she commands a ship that takes Elspeth and Ajani uh, near the edge of the world when they are trying to get into Nyx. And then uh, Kiara does this whole thing where she bests the sea god and steals Dekela, Thassa's bident, and poofs back to Zendikar. And, and, and the rest, as they say, is mythology. Also, she was posing as Caliphae when Johnny and uh, Elspeth met her. Yeah, I love Kiara. She lies a lot. Yep, she's super cool. Um, so our the next... A uh, card that we're going to talk about is Ifara, God of the Polis. She's illustrated by Eric Deschamps. Uh, I'm not sure if that's how actually how you pronounce Deschamps. That. Deschamps. Yeah, yeah, I think you might be right. Deschamps. I've pronounced yeah, it wrong. Just hold up. I, if yeah, I if I'm saying French. it differently, you're probably right. <laughs> um, so she is the god of the cities and of civilization, basically, uh, and she actually. Like, you can't really tell, but she does come across as a darker-skinned woman. Also, uh, she is the god that destroyed Ashiok's uh, intended or test god Cacophony in the story Dreams of the City um, that was written by Ken Troop on the Magic website back when they did uh, stories on the website. Um, But it was uh, really cool. But other than that, there's not much written about her specifically. So. Yeah, she's kind of uh, Theros's version of Hestia, a, a goddess of hearth and home. Afara was also the god who's kind of taken the place of Kynaos and Tiro that we talked about in the last episode, um, as they were like the actual founders of Melitus, and she sort of has become the de facto believed founder of Melitus over the years, as their story kind of drifted off into history. Tell them allegiance that Afara is cancelled. For being a homophobe. No, <laughs> that is that is Afara is officially canceled as of today. Um, but the next god, just moving along, so we're we're in the god section now. Uh, Phoenix, the god of deception, who is one of my favorite gods in this pantheon. Um, between Phoenix and then Crufix, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Phoenix is a wonderful character. He has a really major role in the story without really being a big part of it in a way and that he is the one who makes a deal with Ashiok that helps Ashiok create cacophony who ends up being or cacophony or however you want to pronounce it cacophony I, I would pronounce it the way the word is pronounced <laughs> <laughs> I don't some people would pronounce it differently well, for oh, you, you could yeah. just say J yeah <laughs> J would pronounce it differently um but Ashiok has, or uh, Phoenix has that big role in the story but the thing that I like most about Phoenix is that Phoenix is, as we learned in Theros Beyond Death, a former mortal who actually escaped the underworld. And that through that sort of story became one, the inspiration for all of the returned that we have and two, reached godhood. So this is how we first meet Phoenix is in the story making this deal with Ashiok, making Ashiok invisible to the gods so that Ashiok could go off and do their little magic, make people sleep have nightmares uh and phoenix is a loose interpretation of hermes who uh besides being the messengers of the greek gods was a a patron of thieves and trickery so that's uh phoenix is is the the steely robbie lying person which is why i'm also a big fan of him 
do crimes. <laughs> so, uh, so next up is Mogus, god of slaughter. He is also the god of wrath, pain, sadism, revenge, malice, and domination. Hot. Uh, he, you can. <laughs> I was waiting wow. for that, Orlai. I knew it was coming. You can see him with his great axe, Wrathbringer, uh, in the artwork. He's cool because he was a he's another Minotaur god. On Dominaria, we have a couple Minotaur gods, uh, whose names I can pull up in just a <laughs> second. Dominaria has like a billion gods, so I have to short. They have like Tor- Toran and Kindea, I believe are the two Minotaur gods that we had named from Dominaria. And it's very cool that we have a new Minotaur god. I wish he had the Minotaur subtype, like, but unfortunately yeah. enchantment takes up that space. Uh, but he is the twin of Iros, uh, god of, what's the card name? God of victory? Victory. So um, the two of them are locked in eternal struggle. Um, Mogus is the evil aspect of war not that there's really any good aspects but uh he is you know war for its own sake bloodlust all that good stuff and the minotaur all follow him except for those who've managed to broken break free which we've talked about a little bit in previous episodes yeah, uh, Mogus takes most of his inspiration from Ares, the god of war who uh if you actually read uh stuff like the Iliad Ares sucks holy crap he sucks and, and that kind of comes through with Mogus. He's not a person. He's a god. Duh. The gods are people. This is Greek mythology. They are as fickle and flawed as the rest of humanity. Um, but as probably the least fickle and, and most reasonable god is uh, Karametra, the god of harvests. She takes up the Demeter role and protects the farmers and, and bountifulness uh, with her gigantic sable, uh, who does not have a name. Uh, I hope we get a name someday. I, like, I would love a card for the sable, but that's neither here nor there. Garametra's one of the more benevolent gods. Um, we see her uh, do a lot of protective things and uh, a lot of um, harvesting uh, bountiful things. She is a creation god. She is a god of fertility and and sustenance she is a bringer of life and uh generally as as far as i can tell a, a pretty good person she is also technically the queen of Setessa, which i believe in th- the the council and anthusa are only like fill-ins in Setessan culture because she practically she doesn't really rule yeah the next card is Brimas, king of oreskos the art is beautiful um, by Peter Marbacher. Um, I actually have a print of this in my guest bedroom that hangs up over one of the beds, or in the bed, or over the bed. Um, it's, I, <laughs> oh, right, I slept in there. Yeah, <laughs> the <did>. guest room. <laughs> you slept with Karen, or with Bramaz? That's hot. What, what happens at GP Atlanta stays at GP Atlanta. Correct. Um, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful <laughs> art. Um and Burmaz is friends with Ajani, um, and is actually who Ajani was with when they met Elspeth or Wait. Was that? Yes. So they are close friends because I believe Ajani saved Burmaz when Burmaz was younger um, in his time on Theros. Uh, but 
other than the brief uh, amount of time that was mentioned, like other than them mentioning that uh, Ajani knew Bremaz, there's not a whole lot uh, said about Bremaz in the story that we've been given so far. We do know that Ajani has you as begun speaking ill of the gods with Brahmas at the end of the story, but that's uh, that's about all we know. Brahmas was a really powerful card in Standard, too. Big fan of Brahmas. Yeah, like the only card worth opening in Born of the Gods. Yeah. Um. I actually use Brahmas and uh, Ifara in a mono white or white splash blue devotion with that actually got me my first uh, uh, SCG Top eight, so that was cool. Haha, ha, Brian's nice. actually good at magic. Eh. <laughs> good is relative. <laughs> that, that one always gets me. Like, how do we have someone on a Vorthos podcast who's good at magic cards? Eh. That's, that's arguable. <laughs> so the the next card um, is Tromocratus. Tromocratus? Tromo- <laughs> I am struggling today. Uh, Tromocratus? Uh, the point is, uh, this is the legendary Kraken of the block, and it sort of represents like the Kraken of, you know, release the Kraken type fame. Uh, Krakens, and I, I really want to talk about this card mostly because Krakens are not part of Greek mythology. They don't come from Greece or uh, Rome. They are separate entirely but they were in uh clash of the titans and because of that became part of greek mythology and our modern understanding uh uh trump also Tromocritus, whatever uh also had some really interesting rules text that sort of tells its own story uh it has hexproof as long as it's attacking or block or has hexproof unless it's attacking or blocking and it can't be blocked unless all creatures defending player controls block it so it sort of tells the story of this sort of like shell covered or deep dwelling monster that you can't get at until it gets at you. Uh, it also was a big beating. It's a seven mana, eight, eight. It's a powerful card and it has seen itself as a commander of a lot of sort of big sea monster themed commander decks. Next up is Hero of Iros. The Hero of Iros, I just wanted to mention real quick, is the closest we've gotten to kind of a Hercules analog or a Heracles analog, uh, <laughs> where you know he has literal heroic, but we hadn't had demigods or anything yet. We don't have a Gideon. legendary Hercules. What? Gideon. <coughs> Sorry. Mm. <laughs> you know, right now, faking a cough to say something is probably not a great idea. Yeah, Brian, oh. don't forget I work in public health. I'm a I'm a call the Atlantic uh, the Atlanta Health Department and be and report well, you. Well, good be on for the... you because I'm I don't live actually in Atlanta. Oh, I know where you live. I just wasn't going to say it on the podcast. <laughs> yes, I know. But... <laughs> <laughs> so Nixborn Shieldmate is uh, a cool piece. I just wanted to mention because it's a picture of the Nixborn literally emerging from the painting, uh, Legend of Zelda. A link between worlds style so i i just like that a lot ashiok's adept uh is just neat uh, that we see like this obscured face kind of like the um not really clear if the adept is like a return without their mask or if it's something that has to do with ashiok themselves don't know yeah so the next card to talk about is a really interesting card called champion of stray souls and i actually took a break 
during Born of the Gods and Journey into Nyx, and the first time I encountered Champion of Stray Souls was in a Commander precon many, many years later. And then I was told it was from the Theros block, and I got really confused because this is a skeleton warrior, and it sort of portrays a returned, but they're a skeleton. And you can see other returned in the background of this art by uh, Alexi Bricklow. Wonderful artist, has done a lot of great, memorable magic art. And you can see the skeleton is sort of covered in the masks of the returned, and you can see returned rising from the graves, the ground, the sand, the waves, something behind them. You see a giant shipwreck, and it's just this really beautiful art. But it's the only example I think we have of a skeleton on Theros. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, this card, as far as like referencing media that has depicted Greek mythology, uh, I always saw this card as a reference to the Harry Hells and Jason and the Argonauts film which has a, a big fight against skeleton warriors towards the end. It's uh, one of my favorite stop-motion sequences ever filmed. Uh, it's, it's very good. And and it, yeah, it, the skeleton feels out of place in a world with a return, and I think it's really just for that reference, um, whether that's intentional or not. Um, the other fun thing about this art, it is uh, it shows that Theros does in fact have a moon, which is a... Uh, Theros has a really yeah. weird night sky, in that the constellations come alive and, and are part of the magic of the gods, and that Nyx, the night sky, is kind of its own separate dimension within the planar metaphysics. Uh, but there is a moon there, and we don't know how the sun and moon really work in the sky, but uh, it exists, and, and that is a neat little art fact. It's especially weird since Theros is flat, but the moon looks round. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, those flat mooners. <laughs> yeah this is just a this is just like an oddball card in theros overall because it's like the one thing that confirms theros does in fact have a moon and uh you know again the skeleton returned are both like such things you don't expect on theros and you don't see really repeated anywhere our next card is guild um which is a direct reference to king midas uh um of greek mythology uh, who turned things into gold whenever he touched them uh this card was really cool in uh one of my commander decks but we don't actually see the uh king midas reference until the next set which was actually pretty amusing but uh we'll talk about that in a little bit yeah i really liked the way this sets up uh that card um because this exiles a creature and you create a gold token which can be a sacrifice for one mana so you turn a creature into gold and use it to cast your spells and that'll be important later but uh the next card is weight of the underworld which shows an underworld torture for someone who is holding existence upon their shoulders so th this is kind of the atlas reference of this set and uh it is a good uh card that is referenced in beyond death for heliod's punishment where uh, Heliod is now bearing the weight of the world on his shoulders. So uh, this existing gets to do the Greek mythology reference and gets to itself uh, now technically foreshadow uh, something, an event in Beyond Death. So that's neat. Uh, when when uh, sets, when return sets can make cards from old sets matter in new and different ways, flavorfully. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of, of the Atlas references and especially the one in... in uh coming up in a little bit but the next card in, to talk about is impetuous sun chaser 
which is sort of the Icarus reference uh, of the set, of the block, really, where it shows a person on this crudely made, well, I don't want to say crudely, they are a masterwork, they're very beautiful, made pair of wings. And the entire flavor of the card revolves around the idea of someone who is sort of dooming themselves much in the same way as Icarus does. Uh, it also sort of sets us up to a reference for a future uh, commander release where we got Dalakos. Was Dalakos a commander or was he in Theros Beyond Death? He was in Theros Beyond Death. Oh my god, that, everything is blurred together. But Dalakos <laughs> is sort of the Daedalus <laughs> analog for the Theros story. And so we've sort of got that that two-card combo there of the Icarus and the Daedalus when it comes to that Greek myth. Um, I'm a big fan of the Icarus story. There's a wonderful poem by W.H. Auden called uh, uh, In de Musée de Beaux-Arts. It's in French. Anyways, it's very good. It references a Bruges painting. Uh, and you should go read it. Getting in some classic literature there. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to mention peregrination. Uh, let me restart that over. I wanted to mention peregrination because uh, it's a neat little moment that you might not recognize without like having read deep into some of the world building elements, it, except it is how Cetessan men are forced to leave uh, when reaching man uh, adulthood, I should say. Um, basically, boys are allowed to stay and they train with the girls. Uh, but when they reach adulthood, they ha they're forced to leave. But usually they're going out and they're on missions for their people. So even though they have to go, frequently they act as spies um, or other ways, find ways to support their home of Satessa. That's not really a embittering process. Good news to the boys of Satessa. If you just want to stay in the city, I've got a secret way to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's called being trans. <laughs> One of the neat equipments in the set was Gorgon's Head, which is a direct reference to the Perseus myth. Uh, Perseus, the dude that we decided last week that we really hate because he's a big jerk. So he cuts off Medusa's head in the myth and uses it to uh, petrify a giant sea monster. And uh, this is a card where you just pick up a Gorgon's Head and you can petrify things by having death touch. And, and so it just is the thing that it is. Uh, and the last card we wanted to talk about from Born of the Gods is Raised by Wolves, which actually is not a Greek mythology thing. It's a story taken from the uh, myth of the founding of Rome. Romulus and Ramus were two twins that were um, abandoned as children, or their parents died. I don't remember the exact origin. Point is, they got, they were babies and uh, were raised by a, a wolf mother in in the wild and uh were destined to be the first two kings of rome and and so uh it is said that the the wolf raised them and and they re-entered society and ended up founding rome which was uh named after um Ramos. and uh i i still hate that this appears in this set but uh they did at least do a neat little twist because in the art uh it's not a human that's being raised by wolves it's a leonin um, which is kind of goofy. So it's it's kind of running. It's a lean-in kind of running on the ground like a wolf. Uh, I I thought that's really cute because it's a cat. If you're if you're a lean-in raised by wolves, does that make you a cat dog? <laughs> cat dog, cat dog. 
A lone race by wolves is a little cat dog. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. So. <laughs> okay. Storm Let's... count two on singing the cat dog theme song in this episode. <laughs> if we get to ten, we can win with the tendrils of agony. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so, uh, real quick, I want to talk about the proto-story spotlights we see here. We don't really get the full picture of the Born of the Gods story in the set, although other artwork hints at things. Divination uh, has Symede getting a vision of Mogus and the impending invasion of Minotaur, although we don't really see much of it. Hero's Podium shows us Anthusa, Anax, and Symede planning the defense of Akros. Uh, moments from the battle were only made it into the art later, and one of the sagas from Born of the Gods is the first art on cards that references the big battle. But then we also get Xenagos, God of Revels, showing that he has ascended and changed. Um, he's reached his apotheosis, or his theogenesis, as the story called it. There were also um, that those same Hero's Path cards that we mentioned last week, which were these cool like promo cards that you tried to collect all of them. I think there were like nine per set. Uh, which have this great artwork um, that matches up with uh, Chuck Lukics, I think is the name. Yes. Um, they're all really good. You should you should check out that art if you haven't seen them. Those are all super cool cards. Uh, there was also another solitaire set that you could get called Battle the Horde, which is which did play out the Minotaur battle because you got to be a part of the Minotaur battle. Uh, basically, you fought a Minotaur army that the deck kind of played itself, and you played your deck against it. Uh, but one of the one of the cards from that that I wanted to mention was Plundered Statue, which shows off this tradition in the ancient world, frequently in like the Persia area where the Persian Empire ended up, of different cultures stealing the statue of a different city-state's god, which represented them, you know, stealing their god essentially. And places would frequently have to like. Um, ransom back their gods or if you wanted to establish dominance over another city you would simply take their god statue or smash it uh, but it would also make the population hate you moving into journey into nyx uh this is the culmination of the theros box story and we started off with the planeswalker of this set which is a johnny mentor of heroes and so we talked a little bit about him when talking about born of the gods but i don't think he actually makes an appearance on the cards in Born of the Gods. Uh, Ajani in this set is the mentor of heroes, and you see his Planeswalker card has sort of, he's taken on that role of mentorship, and it's also the first time we see him as a green and white Planeswalker. Uh, his plus one distributes plus one plus one counters among creatures. He lets you find more creatures, auras, or Planeswalker cards from your deck. And if you get to his quote-unquote ultimate ability at minus eight loyalty counters, you gain 100 life. So this is just a really fun card. I think it's one of the only times the number 100 is referenced on a magic card. Uh, you gain 100 life off of it. But the more interesting thing about it, which we'll get into later, is his next Planeswalker card that we see him in is a Johnny Steadfast, which also sort of plays on that mentorship role. But the art has him wearing a very particular cape that he's not wearing in the Mentor of Heroes art but he is wearing everything else from that same art. He's just added a white cape for some reason. It's Elspeth's cape because she dies, and he loves yeah. her because they're friends. Also, uh, important two things important about this. Uh, the number 100 is referenced on Helix Pinnacle from, I don't remember if it's Lorwyn or Shadowmoor block, uh, somewhere in that year of magic. 
two, uh, there's a very small chipmunk in the corner of the, the full art. It's obscured by the Planeswalker frame, but there is a chipmunk in the Johnny Mentor of Heroes art, and it's adorable. That chipmunk comes up later in his uh, War of the Spark Planeswalker card, doesn't it? Or is that a squirrel? Chipmunks are squirrels. But uh, yeah, yes, uh, the squirrel friend shows up on another Johnny art. I forget which one. It doesn't matter. We can move on. But yeah, yeah, like <laughs> people have loved that squirrel. It's great. The next card is Athreos, God of Passage. Uh, it is er, He is fashioned off of Sharon. I really am not sure how that's supposed to be pronounced. But yeah, we'll go with Sharon, um, the, who is Karen, or sure, Karen, Sharon. Jay left, so someone has to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, Karen, very brave um, to take up the mantle of mispronunciation. Yeah, uh, so he is the—he does the same thing as what Karen does for the Greek mythology. He ferries people across the river Styx, or what's the Theros name of the river? I don't know. If uh, the Tartix. The Tartix. All right, so yeah. He ferries people across the Tartix, like uh, in Greek mythology, how Karen ferried people across the river Styx and delivered them to the underworld. But again, another god that doesn't have a whole lot of story impact, so. He is the only two-color god that got a reprint in Theros Beyond Death as the Biobox promo. Sure did. None of the other gods did. Um, we also have a couple of other gods to talk about. We've got Karanos, god of storms, who plays a pretty pivotal role in the story by sort of scooping up Symede, who becomes a oracle of Karanos. Uh, other than that, not incredibly big role in the story. Uh, yeah, which it's kind of interesting that he's not that important in this set because he's the one that's uh, most clearly based on Zeus, uh, who is obviously king of the gods in the Greek pantheon. But uh, being a frenetic god of storms is and, and hurling lightning bolts is, is about all that he and Zeus have in common. Uh, obviously a very short temper, but uh, otherwise is uh, does some fun different twists on, on an archetype for Theros. Then there's there's also Ferica, Ferica, god of affliction. Uh, this is the Gorgon god. She herself takes on sort of a personage of a Gorgon, and she is the god of poisons and snakes and all sorts of wonderful things like that. I'm realizing how little story these these secondary gods really got. It's really disappointing <laughs> to me, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I was really hoping that we would see more and whatever Beyond Death had to offer, but no. We know how that went, so. Well, it's really neat that they all sort of get their own card in Theros Beyond Death. Uh, Farika's um, card in the draft format, at least, was pretty impactful. So, uh, Farika is another god who's kind of very loosely based on Hermes. Uh, her helmet bears some resemblance to, uh, uh the helmet that Hermes has. Uh, and, and this is due to, uh, Hermes' staff called a, um, Caduceus? Caduceus? Yep. 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 Which is a, a winged staff with two snakes wrapped around it, which, uh, Sometimes gets mistakenly used as a symbol, uh, as a medical symbol, because it's similar to the rod of Asclepius, which is only a single snake around a rod. Um, so that confusion has kind of created this goddess of medicine through a, a misunderstanding of something about Hermes. So uh, 
it kind of brings the snakes and and the helmet and wraps it up into um a god that's fairly unique to Theros, which is pretty cool. But then we have Iroas, God of Victory, who we talked a little bit about with Mogus. It's uh he's Mogus's twin, represents uh striving for martial success and uh you know protecting the weak and uh military might and and pride in in war uh he's kind of more of the athena uh reference so whereas Ares was kind of this bloodthirsty warmonger athena is a goddess of um strategy and martial supremacy so uh Iroas and mogus kind of play off of that duality as well uh, the Iroan games are named for Iroas because it's based on kind of the, the physical prowess of people. And the current Iroan games award the victor with a uh, special council with the god himself. Yeah, we still have one more god to talk about, who is Krufix, god of horizons, who is the last god on our list, but was actually one of the very first gods of Theros. Um, Krufix is the god of horizons, the god of mysteries. The Temple of Mystery is his his place of worship. He was one of the original proto-gods, along with uh, Clothis, who we meet in Theros Beyond Death, uh, who sort of battled the Titans at the very beginning of time. Well, beginning of Theros history, at least. Uh, Krufix is, actually plays a pretty pivotal role in the story. Yeah, of, of all the minor gods, he's the one that actually does a whole bunch of things. He also plays kind of a pivotal role in Elspeth's backstory, too, but we'll get to that in a minute. He's just a very fascinating character, and I kind of wish we'd gotten a Krufix card instead of an Athreos card in Theros Beyond Death, but uh, he's still just a really powerful and popular card for formats like Commander, too. Krufix doesn't uh, really have a direct Greek inspiration. There's... uh like a couple different deities that he kind of borrows some things from, but he he is really the most unique in Theros's pantheon. And as a god of mystery, that's pretty cool, I think, that uh, the weird mysterious god is the one that doesn't actually have that close of a real-world analog. Well, yeah. Um, our next card is King Makar, the Gold Curse, and this is the aforementioned Midas uh, reference uh, in Theros, that refers back to Greek mythology. Um, when he has the inspired ability that whenever he becomes untapped, he turns somebody into gold. He exiles them and turns them into gold. So, uh, really cool card. And I love to see... Like, I, I've, I haven't seen anybody do this because there hasn't been enough vehicles, but I want to see somebody build a King Makar and all of his cars deck with a bunch of vehicles that people used to tap him to turn other people's creatures into gold, even though it's probably really, really slow. I almost built that, and I didn't because it seems very unfun to lock people out of games. Uh, but what is neat that, like, so we had Guild in Born of the Gods, uh, and then in Journey into Nyx we get the King Midas card himself, who casts Guild whenever he untaps, uh, which is just very clever. Yeah, and then um, the next card to really talk about is Godsend, and this is one of the coolest, in my opinion, magic cards from the set because it's an equipment and it's a card that we've seen throughout several different blocks and storylines because this is Elspeth's weapon. This is Godsend. It's a spear that uh, Heliod or Heliod reforges for her 
when she comes back to Theros and finally defeats Pelucranos. But more importantly, it's the sword that she got when she first planeswalked to Theros as it fell from the sky. It was crafted by Perforos, and it has the ability to actually hurt Nick's things, including gods. And we'll see that play out in this story as well. Uh, it is a fascinating piece of equipment. It has a really flavorful... Uh, this was a top-down set, all of the block was. And the way that the equipment works is that whenever the equipped creature blocks or becomes blocked by one or more creatures, you may exile one of those creatures. Opponents can't cast cards with the same name as cards exiled with Godsend. So this equipment literally just cuts that creature out of existence. It can no longer exist. It can no longer manifest. It is gone. And I think it is a really cool representation of Elspeth's weapon. Our next card is Launch the Fleet, um, which is a kind of reference to the Akron War, Trojan War. Um, in the art, you can see a bunch of boats uh, out on the ocean or sea. Not really sure what the geography there is, but it doesn't really matter. Um, it's really cool, and I wish this card was good because I wanted it to be, but it wasn't. So it saw like very fringe play for a tiny little bit in standard, but uh, yeah, this is kind of a play on uh, Helen of Troy having a face that launched a thousand ships. So launch the fleet is like launching a thousand ships. Uh, pull from the deep uh, is only on this list because it's the namesake card of our. Uh, patreon uh tier to bonus episodes we do uh short little uh you know 10-ish minute episodes uh once a month for patrons and uh it's uh the the idea of dredging up uh deep knowledge is is kind of what inspired us to take that name for a little thing so so that's cool the next card is ritual of the returned which is a very flavorful top-down design it is an instant you exile a creature from your graveyard, and then you create a black zombie creature that has the same power and toughness as the creature you exiled, but it has none of the other abilities. It is just the power and toughness. Uh, it is really flavorful in the sense that the returned are essentially personalityless. They have no identity at all. They are just returned corpses from the underworld. The art depicts a dead person in the underworld creating that gold mask that they wear when they get to the surface. Uh, and it flavor text reads, a mask forged to avenge a death forgotten. Uh, next up is Silence the Believers, which has uh, Xenagos as a god in the background as uh, one of his cultists gets slain. Here's the thing, if you are worshipping this god Xenagos, uh, you have a problem because Xenagos' whole thing isn't to just like become a new god, it's to... Make a mockery of the Pantheon. So worshipping a god who doesn't actually care for your safety and actively wants to undermine everything that religion on Theros is about, uh, not a good cult to be in sometimes. Uh, and then we have Bearer of the Heavens, which is another Atlas reference. Uh, and, and this is an actual kind of titan giant thing that is holding up some part of Nyx. Uh, there's no like actual story or world building significance associated with this card. So we don't know the exact the exact intended flavor, but but the idea is, hey, this giant is holding up part of Nyx, and if you kill him, the heavens will literally fall and destroy everything. Uh, literal sky is falling type situation. Yeah. Uh, 
it's a really fun card. And by fun, I mean it destroys all permanents when it dies. So it's not really that fun to play <laughs> yeah, against. Yeah, I was about to say, you <laughs> and I have very different ideas of fun, sir. <laughs> Look, I, it's been established. I play Expropriate and Commander. I'm not a fun person. Uh, the next card is kind of a favorite of Vorthos's. It's called Pensive Minotaur. Uh, it is a vanilla 2-3 creature. It is a Minotaur warrior. Relatively unexciting if you are only interested in the competitive aspects. But it has some amazing art and flavor text. The flavor text is from the Theriad, and it is, The champion and her companions marched through the night, but the battle was over before they arrived. In the middle of the carnage sat a solitary minotaur, lost in what seemed to the champion to be thought. And so it shows this art of a, of a minotaur just sitting at a rock. He's got his head sort of turned up, looks like he's maybe thinking, and in his hand is just a person's leg. As if he's sort of contemplating, what is a leg? Yeah, the this reached meme status. So why is leg is is the meme that went along with this card. Um, this card just really illustrates the capacity of a compelling piece of art and flavor text to take what is a mostly unplayable card, even in limited, a vanilla card that is uh, trans really transcended most of the rest of the cards in this block uh, from a cultural standpoint. You most. Magic players who were around at the time know the pensive minotaur joke. Uh, it's it's it was a big part of the set at the time and in magic culture, and it's it's something that's persisted. And um, being one of the people that gets involved now in uh, writing names and flavor text, and and being able to uh, hopefully create the next one of those kinds of cards is uh, really exciting. And and it it's just a testament to uh, what really good flavorful design can do. Um, next up is Ravenous Lucrecata. This is a kind of dog-wolf-monster thing uh, that appears uh, and is inspired from uh, either uh, Indian or Ethiopian myths. Uh, what you learn when you research Greek mythology is that, uh, like most cultures, uh, there are lots of cultural exchanges. Uh, Greece sits on the Mediterranean Sea, had extensive trade with the Middle East and Africa, and the rest of Europe. Uh, stories get told along the way, merchants pick up tales, bring back artifacts, uh, things get assimilated into culture. This is one of those things. Um, uh, and then finally, there is Desperate Stand, which has the flavor text, At the Akroan Gates, Hoplites revived the tactics of Kithian Iora's infamous Irregulars. At the time Journey into Nyx came out, this flavor text meant nothing. We didn't know who Kithian Iora was. We didn't know who the regulars, the irregulars were. We didn't know why they were infamous. Uh, we don't know what the tactics were. And this was a throw forward to... Anna Iora from the Forsaken novel by Greg Wiseman. This is a throw forward to Magic Origins when we got the card Kithian's Tactics, uh, which has the flavor text, Seal the Gate. This is our fight now. And this is a moment in Gideon's uh, backstory where he and his irregulars fight off a bunch of cyclopses that are assaulting the gates of Akros. Uh, this is a sneaky thing that the story team did where um, I, I don't know how much of Gideon's backstory was written at the time Journey into Nyx was being finalized, but um, it was only two years before Magical Origins, so there's a good chance that the early stuff to work on Origins was being uh, created and um, that this is a thing they kind of put into the set as a two-year throw forward to Origins, which is just awesome. Uh, I, I love when Origins came out and people were like, hey, wait, 
we've seen this name before and go went back to this card and it like it gets it gets to reference a historical event that we didn't learn for another two years and that's just beautiful the story spotlight cards for this set uh it's proto story spotlights uh so worst fears uh elspeth is subjected to a bunch of nightmares uh during this set it's kind of a, a trial of erebos where uh, she remembers all the traumatic things in her past and has to sustain that. And so that kind of gets captured on a card in art. There's Solidarity of Heroes, where Ajani and Elspeth reunite, and uh, Ajani agrees to help Elspeth in her quest to slay Xenagos. And uh, it, it that art is really good at showing just how big Ajani is, which I like. He's a big boy. Uh, and then we have Deicide. The first, the I, I think the card that can really be credited with being the first story spotlight. Oh, and it was a controversial one too. This card is the the card where we get to see Elspeth killing Xenagos with God's End, and um, it, it's it makes me super happy, but it also makes me sad because I know what happens right after. It, it's um. She kills Inigos on this quest for Heliod, and then he promptly slays him. Or, I mean, she is promptly slain by Heliod after reporting success because he fears her power because she is also a planeswalker like Xenagos, the god she just slew. So, uh, it, it, it was a... It has amazing art um, done by Jason Chan. Um, where you see Elspeth basically just flying through the air and uh, stabbing or jabbing God's in into him, um, and it's it's really awesome. It's and, and it's it's a great flavor win because like not only do you exile uh, whatever creature you you get with it, or it's not even creature it's enchantment, um, but if it's a god, you search their hand and get all of them. Yeah, it sort of does that God's End ability of making it that so that the opponent can never cast that spell again by just removing all of the gods from their deck. I, I say this card is a little controversial because I remember at the time when it came out, this was before we had story spotlights, but we did have some magic story out there, and it kind of gave away the ending of the story when it was previewed by just sort of showing Elspeth kills Xenagoth, Oh. It happens. Yeah, uh, you you get the card that shows it before you ever read the story. What was really great is that we didn't know that Elspeth then died until we got the story. Um, there were a couple other little goodies with the set, as as we had talked about before. So the Hero's Path cards. One of the promos for that was Hall of Triumph, which has a really fancy Elspeth statue on it. Uh, I believe the pack version has a mosaic of Elspeth, uh, which it was just kind of immortalizing her in the mythology of Theros. You know, we see we see Elspeth conquers death uh, in in Theros Beyond Death, and uh, she's kind of now become a mythological figure in the plane. Uh, there is also uh, the, the actual Heroes Path cards, the emblem-like things. There's one called the Champion, which also depicts Elspeth. And uh, that whole encounter to get that is called uh, Defeat a God. That was at the game day where uh, you, you kind of play against that autopiloting deck. Uh, this is uh, all about fighting Xenagos and his fanatics. And uh, there's a ton of great Xenagos art from this that uh, we don't get to see anywhere else. A lot of it's not even online, which is a shame because it, it's really good. And that brings us to the end of the original Theros Blocks Flavor Gems. Uh, two weeks, three sets. A lot of cards that hit stuff in Greek mythology that uh, 
was uh, good flavorful references, lots of fascinating legends, the gods are great, a tearjerker of a story. If, th if this is a thing that y'all liked, let us know. Uh, we might consider doing this for a future set. So, you know, we are returning to Zendikar this year. It'll be the first time on Zendikar while we've had the podcast. So if you liked us going back through Flavor Gems of previous sets, we can possibly do that. We have two full blocks of, of Zendikar sets to go through. So uh, if that's something you would like to see, let us know. Because um, your feedback means a lot to us because y'all are our audience. So bringing it to the end, let's uh, do some final thoughts. And my final thoughts are that Animal Crossing is wonderful and I'm very gay. And that's it. Uh, my final thought is that I've also been playing a lot of Animal Crossing and I have accidentally started a cult. Yeah, yeah. But beyond that, um, <laughs> my actual final thought, <laughs> don't worry about it, Brian. Don't worry <laughs> about it. My actual final thought is going to be that while we were planning to do these, uh, the wonderful Ristic Studies or Sam Gaglio, uh, formerly known as Magic Man Sam, in a previous incarnation, I suppose, uh, did a wonderful, wonderful video on Theros called Theros Pastoral and Pastiche. Or maybe I had those two words flipped around, but it's a wonderful video. We'll link it. It is a great sort of flavor analysis of Theros. It's basically what we've just done for these past two weeks, but he goes a little bit deeper on certain cards and certain stories, and I think it's really wonderful. Yeah, I, I think our podcast is pretty good, but Sam, historically, through his whole tenure creating content, I like I, I think he's just the best content creator in the entire Magic community. Uh, every single one of his videos is unbelievably good. We'll link to it. Go watch it. I mean, I, I guess I want to thank Watsi for opening up the Brawl queues for people who don't, because I refuse to give them 10,000 coins to to do that so it's my preferred way to play arena but you know i wasn't going to do it so that's that was nice thank you and so i've got nothing else because work has been interesting this week so and since you don't have to buy coins on arena if you do want to throw some money somewhere you can head over to patreon.com slash the vorthos cast and help support us today starting today you can support us for longer than one day if you'd like you know, uh, the show can't keep running without support from our wonderful patrons. Uh, we love you all to death. And so uh, everyone who supports us on Patreon gets access to our Discord community, where things are really ramping up because we're going to about we are about to head into a preview season and have a new story to talk about and new commander products, which promises lots of legends. And it's going to be great. And we have a very active Animal Crossing community there. You know, we we went through the everyone's playing Pokemon phase. We're now on everyone's playing Animal Crossing phase. Although if you do like Pokemon, we still are talking about Pokemon there. New max rate battles just recently went up. But it's a, it's a wonderful community filled with wonderful people. And uh, if that's something you would like to join, we would love to have you there. Um, so so once again, we, we appreciate everyone who, who supports us now and everyone who will support us in the future. We've uh, pre, pre-installed love for you in this show. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> thank you all for listening. This has been Forthos Cast.